Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Now is the time to shine, everybody. Welcome to the Football Ramble. It's the big one. England versus France tomorrow night in the World Cup quarterfinal. I'm Marcus Speller. And I'm simply Luke Moore. Bloody hell. It's nearly here, Luke Moore. Uh, England versus France in the quarterfinal of the World Cup. Ah, dearie me, the nerves are creeping up. I know, it's great, isn't it? We we have the schedule for the World Cup Ramble episodes um, planned out by our Mm. amazing production team weeks in advance. Mm. And then the other day when I got back from being away, I was just like to you and to the producer, Finn, I was like, should we do an extra show? Just you and me for the England game. <laughs> so excited. No one else is bothered. Everyone's like, oh, I've got loads of work to do. We were like, let's do it. Let's do yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Oh, are. my goodness. I have to keep reminding myself, I like football. I enjoy football. If England lose, you know, it doesn't really matter, blah, 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 blah. Because right now it feels like this is weighing heavy on uh, <laughs> on, yeah, on the I, mind. I feel, I feel like, um, and you can take this piece of information as a compliment or not depending on how you want to look at it Marcus but I think you traditionally have been someone who has been the most affected by an England <laughs> result of anyone I know really so but do you think that's but has that has that dampened over the years as you've grown older yes it has okay. and actually do you know what watching the Euros final in the stadium has actually it does give you a massive perspective on it obviously I think I said the I think my words were very very close to um, something along the lines of, you know, the next day, everything, the world is the same, no matter if you win or cool. lose kind of thing. You kind yeah. of have to see that perspective in light of such a, it's such a monumental thing. I think, though, the reason why this feels so big is, 
the World Cup is bigger than the Euros. Now, obviously, if England had won the Euros, it would have been fantastic. But England have not played a team who, on paper and according to the bookies, are better than them, really. Italy mm. in the final of the Euros would be the closest thing. But I think because England had the home advantage, although home advantage is actually, I think, overplayed often if you look at tournament results in the modern era, uh, that would be the closest thing. But it does feel to me that Gareth Southgate's time in charge of England, it's almost sort of, if you like, been building up to to this moment, or certainly this tournament. I mean, the FA yeah. had 2022 marked down as the one that they wanted to really have a proper go at. Uh, realistically uh, and I think they said this what 10 years ago or whenever it was and of course we all thought that uh, they were ahead of schedule uh, when when the final of the Euros happened but it was to win that major tournament because it's Mm. been so bloody long of course and England against France it's huge um, and I would say that, that, that history is on England's side, though. They have only lost once to France in a major tournament uh, over the years. They've played um, in in five major tournament meetings, although some people might say that will have nothing to do with what happens on Saturday night. Um, something that might have even less to do on Saturday night is since 1998, England's win rate for World Cup matches live on the BBC is 75%, whereas on ITV which is, of course, uh, for those who are not in the UK, a prominent uh, terrestrial channel. It's only 18.75%. England did beat Senegal when playing on ITV, Luke. So what would you like to say to all of that? Well, the game is on ITV tomorrow. So, I mean, I'm the one who put that stat in there because I know how much you'd love it. (laughs) But I also am now going to flip it on you and say I don't think it matters a thing, obviously. Get it on Channel 5. Yeah, yeah. Get Julesy on channel. Actually, I no, don't get with Julesy. Yeah, terrible hell. win the rate. They've one on channel four. Even worse. Yeah. Um, I don't think any of this stuff necessarily matters. I think that you know the media of which we are a part. We have to remember that. Like the stats. Like to be able to tell the stories with the different stats. There's no realistic way you can say that there's any decent effect. The fact that England perhaps lost to France in what was it, 2004 or something. Um, and then you know drew with them in 2012, whatever you know. I don't. I don't these, please, the crossover isn't of players is is sometimes non-existent and so, sometimes very 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 small. So to me, it doesn't it doesn't matter. I was interested in all the things you said there about the idea that um, the quality of England's opponents in particularly in knockout games in tournaments under Gareth Southgate because that's something that Lars said on Thursday, and I. I do understand why Lars said it, and I do understand why it's a talking point, but I don't really know how it pertains to what Gareth Southgate and the team are doing, but chiefly because they have no choice in this. They don't, they don't get to choose who they play, and so they can only play what's in front of them. And, and I, I would also say this. If England were to beat France tomorrow, which of course we hope they do, there will be reasons why aspects of, of public life and sections of the media will say, well, it's, you know, France, but, you know, Conte wasn't there, you know, they didn't have Benzema and, you know, Pogba and Kante, was injured. Wouldn't it, yeah, yeah ex- exactly. So there's always a reason to have a negative side of the coin, um, come what may. I mean, you're always going to get people, you're just going to get naysayers doing that kind of stuff. And so I, I think, I think and, and exactly that happened with um, Lars on the same show. I mean, obviously, he's not here to defend himself. So I'm not going to slag him off because he's a good friend of mine. Um, but he said the same about Germany. Oh, well, they beat Germany in a knockout. And um, But Germany, look at Germany's record. Look at this about Germany. Look at that. Just not a great German side. So, I mean, you know, you're damned if you do, damned if you don't, really. Uh, so, I don't think England will spend that much time thinking about that. But what I do think is, 
you know, this is a very, very evenly matched game. I said it last time I was on with you, Marcus. I think it's a 50-50 game. I think the probability guys, all the data, number crunchers, all the all the numbers bods, all the absolute nerds. Call them boffins. All the boffins mm. with their numbers, I think, have France as a 39% chance to win in 90 minutes and England is 31%, something like that, with a draw being the rest of the time. So it's a very, very close matched affair mm-hmm. and I think it comes down to who, whoever manages the game well and manages the, the occasion and all the rest of it as ever in these types of games yeah so you've with, with regards to the, the the data and stats that you've gone for a more scientific approach can I bring in a bit of pseudoscience it might be very generous to call it that because a TikToker named Keen who claims to be a time traveller has announced that <laughs> England will win the game 2-1 um, oh, good. Ha- however, a different time traveller has shared footage of Brazil beating France in the final. Looked eerily similar to that 1998 final uh, with some uh, major edit points, but uh, no, I don't know. Different timelines, mate. To be honest with you, true. unsurprisingly, I didn't bother to watch it. Uh, yeah. <laughs> if, you, if you believe in the, in the multiverse um, theory of existence, mm. then it could be different timelines. But look, So what you're saying you say- is if England lose in our timeline, we should actually celebrate because in another timeline they might have won. Well, what they would say is that every single thing that is possible under yeah. the, the known laws of physics right. happens at somewhere, at some point, all the time. So you, you can you can rest assured mm. that at some place somewhere else, yeah. a different timeline, England have won every single World Cup that's ever been held. Bloody hell, get the flags out, everybody. Get the but bunting also on up. The, on, the, on the pseudoscience part, you know, for, for it to be pseudoscience, <laughs> it has to have some kind of rooted base <laughs> In an idea that's scientific. Yeah, well, England are playing France. This is a virgin on TikTok (laughs) trying to get attention. And I know in some ways people would say we're, you know, overgrown virgins on podcasts trying to get attention, but I feel like they're worse. I well indeed yeah I mean I look the, the the what what we should do is is bring it all the way back to the actual game and what actually may happen yeah for sure we well let's talk about it's a back three or a back four that's the big chat should England go with back three or back four and if it is or whatever it is so should I say Carl Walker will start the game because he's going to be crucial for England because he's the man that people think will chiefly deal with Kylian Mbappe old Ari Redknapp. Your old mate down in Portsmouth um, said, if I could choose any right back from any team in the world against Mbappe, I would choose Carl Walker. To be fair to old Redders, it's not it's, 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 it's a realistic shout, is it not? Because with Walker's pace and his experience in the game, you think to yourself, yeah, he can at times keep up with Mbappe, although Mbappe is about 10 years younger than him. Yeah, we need a, we need a fully fit, match fit, ready to go Carl Walker. And we did, we saw evidence in the game against Senegal, that he's still finding his feet after an injury. Um, and it's absolutely crucial that he is hitting the numbers and that he is um, at, at the peak of his powers for this game. I, I don't actually disagree with Redknapp, although Redknapp's um, kind of comments maybe speak to the fact that perhaps he just doesn't know that many right-backs in world <laughs> football because he's older now, and that's fair enough. Uh, I, I, don't, I don't actually doesn't know... Doesn't need of, to. Yeah, I don't actually know of that many right backs who are still doing their thing that have the experience and the track record and the ability and the fitness and the pace and all the things that you need uh, that Carl Walker's got. And if he plays well, it really could be the difference. There's other issues to think about though, in that back line, there's been talk coming out of the England camp that John Stone's had to miss a bit of training Mm -hmm. uh, and will need to be assessed ahead of the game. And he's listed as doubtful by Opta. So um, I don't know who's going to come in instead of him if he can't make it. And that's a really difficult decision for, for Southgate to make because he needs to go, if I want 
to have the best chance of keeping Kylian Mbappe quiet, I need Walker fully fit and firing. Mm. If, if I don't have Stones fully fit, I need to make a decision about whether I risk him or not against a really good team. And then you can, you can Marcus, I'll throw it back at you, you can loop that back round to, the, again, the discussion the guys had on Thursday, David, Andy and Lars, about this idea of a back three. Do you say belt and braces, I'll put Carl Walker on the right of a back three and have Trippier ahead of him? Because you might get a lot of joy, as the guy said, with the two French fullbacks who, you know, particularly Hernandez, who's going to come, who's going to play, Thierry Hernandez, mm-hmm. who really, I've not really seen any decent evidence that he enjoys defending or that he can do it. Um, so there's lots of things to take into account. And these are the decisions that will play into whether England win or not. And if the decisions are right and they're proven to be right, England have got a really good chance. If not, they'll get beaten. Yeah, so the, the, this will potentially worry people. But if John Stones is injured and he doesn't play, which would be a huge blow for England, it would be Eric Dyer coming in. Uh, and the reason for that is because Eric Dyer has played minutes at this tournament. If you look elsewhere in that England squad, the other centre-half is uh, Connor Cody. And poor old Cody's never going to get any minutes, really. Um, but, you know, he's there for the vibes and the bants. And, uh, and he does that <laughs> superbly well. And Steve Holland, or to give him his full name, Stephen Netherlands, um, says that uh, <laughs> Connor Cody is the most, was the most important player in the squad in the Euros. Because of... But he can uh, play. I mean, he, we can't patronise the guy. He can, he can but, play. But, of course he can. Um, but Eric Dyer has come on for uh, Maguire in the first game and, and came on against... Um, uh, who was the other one? Was it even Senegal or was it maybe Wales? I forget now, but he's, he's come on I think it was. I think it was Senegal. It mm. might have been. Yeah. Um, but if Stones isn't there, would England play a back four with Dyer and Maguire in, in the centre? I think that would potentially worry a few people, all joking aside, because they've not had the best times recently at at club level, it's fair to say. But they could go to a back three, and Dyer can play that sweeper role. Maguire would then take up his position on the left side of that three, which he's used to, and Carl Walker would go in on the right side of the three. And as you say, Trippi would come in. And defensively, that would look a little bit more solid against the, the threat of France down the wings. The thing is, though, does that then take away a bit of England's attacking threat. It would be Rice and Bellingham who would, who would play in that midfield, absolutely. I obviously hope that John Stones is fit for a number of reasons, but chiefly because England, if he's there, can play that 4-3-3, which we've seen them play at this tournament. And I'd like them to go toe-to-toe with France. Same. And go, All right, let's have you. And as they said on On the Continent, Andy was making the point, Mbappe and Dembele, they don't like tracking back to defend. And their fullbacks, the French fullbacks. um, uh, uh, one of whom I've, uh, is not the first choice, of course, uh, mm-hmm. are a little bit questionable at the back. And that is where England get their joy, down the flanks. That is where they are at their strongest, whether it be in, in the right-back position or whether it be either side of Harry Kane. England are very, very strong there. And if you can, I think Phil Foden will start on the left. I think he's got to. And it's on that right side. Who who do England pick? You know, Saka's been brilliant. Rashford's... Uh, I, I would probably go with Saka just for a bit of continuity and I think because of the quality but I think it would be a shame if England were to be forced into it to play a back three but Southgate and Holland they said Holland was saying that they've planned for this game for two years I mean let's be honest in our World Cup predictors as soon as those groups were made and you saw where the draw could go the vast majority of people would have had this down as a quarter final. And England you know this is the day of reckoning the day of destiny England are finally playing a side who Again, on paper, and I don't think anyone would dispute that on paper, are better than England. Not much, but they are. Now, we'll see what happens on grass, of course, because that's where the game is played. Yeah, I, I don't, on I don't, painted I, grass in Qatar. I don't think I agree with that last statement. 
Okay. I think if you if you if you drill it down to the teams that are likely to line up, I don't think France are better than England. I think this. I think it's pretty similar. So, do you think England should go four three three toe to toe with them? I said it last. I said it a few, couple of days ago, and I still believe it now. They got. They've got to think about what they can do, mm-hmm. and they've got to. If, if we are, I mean, you're alluding to the idea, but the things you said there about Holland and all the rest of it, as in Steve Holland, not the nation of Holland, um, <laughs> um, that this is this is the this is the culmination of the cycle of the squad that we're that that Southgate has, and so because we, you can you can take that back to like the idea, like we said earlier about England not playing or beating anyone good. Well, they 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 lost twice to Belgium in 2018, but they're right at the start of this cycle. We're now four years on. And so England now need to. This is the perfect time for them to start mm. thinking about what they can do, particularly given that a lot of France's key players aren't available. I think it's a lot to unpack, but you're right about the front three. Really, uh, I think Griezmann gets through a lot of work. Everyone knows that he's an incredible athlete and has been his whole career, and he's you know deserves immense credit. But Giroud can't really work for ninety minutes. He can occupy centre backs, but he can't work, work, work in the modern pressing style for ninety minutes. Dembele and Mbappe aren't interested in doing that, and neither of the fullbacks that France play will be the A one first choice for both of them. So, with that in mind, mm-hmm. I mean that's basically almost almost the entire team. Let's have them. Come on. And and and, and then you've got and then you've got to take into account that you know if I said to you. Who would you rather have about of Chouameni and Rabiot or you know Henderson, Rice and Bellingham? I think I'd pick Henderson, Rice and Bellingham based on what I've seen in this tournament. So different, different kettle of fish with a with a Pogba and Kante in the form there and in 2018, of course. But we're not in 2018, so we have to deal with what's in front of us. It comes down to our England approach. It comes down to how they, how brave they can be, how confident they are, how good a start they get. All that stuff's important. Um, and then we haven't even talked about the goalkeepers yet. And Lloris has got a rick in him. He never looks, he never, these days he never looks that far away from a mistake. Mm-hmm. He's a good goalkeeper. He's been amazing over the years. No one questions that. But he, four years ago, he was making mistakes in big games for France. So, I mean, it, it, that can happen as well, particularly with a high energy England team. Now, I'll finish by on that particular point by saying that whoever you pick on the right side as a forward for England, I think you probably need to accept that they're not going to get an awful lot of support from Carl Walker if it is Carl Walker in the back four mm-hmm. because of the Mbappe factor. The Henderson's so you've got, got to, to, yeah, you've got to pick your. I think I think also Rice and Henderson might be quite occupied with with him at times as well. Mm-hmm. So I think you've got to pick your your attacking right sided player with that in mind. Now Andy said, didn't he, that it'd be good to get somebody who can get outside of Fernandez and really hit the byline and make it tough for him, and um, rather than cut inside because he would favour that. So maybe it. On that basis, it isn't Saka. But England have got an embarrassment of riches. I, I, can, I can see probably three forwards that are capable of playing that position that could absolutely terrorise Hernandez, who, you know, I don't want to be over the top about it because obviously he's a decent pro and everything. But as a defender, he's a bit of a joke. I mean, he okay, is so, a bit of a joke. Fine. Okay, so, and, and as you say, Andy was saying that Saka possibly shouldn't start for the reasons you've just specified there. Yeah. Well, Raheem Sterling is flying back to Qatar and, and reportedly will rejoin the England squad in time for Saturday's game against France. He's returned home, of course, um, because, you know, his family had gone through that horrible ordeal with mm. armed intruders breaking into their home. And I think, you know, everybody is, is aware of that. So an awful experience uh, all round. But he will be back, as I say, according to reports, in time for Saturday's game against France. Now, that's obviously a difficult one for us to say on this podcast because we know he's got the quality to start the game. It would just be a case of, you know, emotionally would he be able to start and we trust Southgate to make a good call on that. But he Mm. could well feature. And I'll tell you something, 
if you are the fullback and you've had Rashford to deal with, or even Saka to deal with for an hour, and you look up and he's going off and you see Raheem Sterling coming yeah. on, you think, oh, bloody hell. England's is... bench is unreal. It's mm. the best bench in the tournament. Yeah, yeah. Some, no. some, some, some would say it's maybe Brazil, but I, I think England's bench is the best bench in the tournament. And you know, that's, that's going to be key. If England's still in the game after an hour, there's a very, very good chance they'll win if, if they're brave enough. Because they 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 are they, we we're in a we're in an era of football now with starters and finishers. And I know that's a really kind of modern horrible cliche thing to say, but it isn't. We're not living in the era now of football, particularly at tournament football, where you're like, oh, if someone gets injured, we'll sub mm. them off and we'll do a like for like or whatever. We're talking about the fact that you can make so many substitutions now to affect the game. I promise you, these squads and these managers and these coaches, they're they're, they're setting it up like that. Yeah. They're going to say it's not just about who we pick to start the game. Mm. We're talking exactly about what you're talking about there, Marcus. Last half an hour, maybe going into extra time, whatever. The quality England have got, it's, it's the cavalry. It's, it's coming over the hill over and over again. And France don't have that. They really don't. So if France, if England start well enough, they will. It's, it's the type of game where, although I'm saying it's a 50-50, which it is as we sit here now, as we move through the game, as it transpires, if it's still close, the longer it goes on being closer and closer and closer, the longer it goes on, England become more and more favourites. They do, because they've got players who can affect the game. And that role coming off the bench and so on is one that Jack Grealish absolutely relishes. Um, but you mentioned Declan Rice earlier. Good news is that he trained on Thursday. He missed Wednesday uh, with illness and I thought, well, bloody hell, you know, that, that's a... Yeah. Spanner in the works, but he did train on Thursday, so he, he's in line to be absolutely fine. Callum Wilson had a, a thigh strain, um, but again, all being well, he probably wouldn't play, you, you would imagine. Uh, but hopefully he'll be absolutely fine for the match. Now, despite the magnitude of this game, the England team have been enjoying themselves. All the all the chat and all the little videos and so on we see coming from the camp have all been very, very enjoyable and very relaxed. Uh, the inflatable unicorns were back. And there were some inflatable <laughs> crocodiles also added into the mix, which is very, very... Um, Marcus, nice can I see. check if any media outlet yeah. outside of us cares much about these unicorns and these... Infl- well, I think we talk about them a lot. I just want to know, is that, is, that, is that us taking the temperature of the, of the, of the country or is that just us because we love it? I think it's an absolute Carolina Reaper of a take, that is, a temperature. <laughs> I, think, I think if Let's you don't think those... It was a different show. It was a different time. Yeah. Uh, the the unicorns are crucial, and I do think that if England can go all the way here, we will see maybe Saka uh, or whoever's prominent. Because it was it was Maguire in the World Cup. It was Saka at the Euros. Is there somebody else who's going to uh, be vying to be on the fifty pound note if England can win this <laughs> tournament on that unicorn? <laughs> I love the idea of there being a massive celebration in Trafalgar Square and everyone turning up with their big inflatables just waving them around. What, in the in the fountains, bobbing around yeah, what, in mid December. Yeah, uh, and people yeah. who don't like England will hear this and go, "Oh, they're already talking about celebrating Trafalgar Square." No, mm-hmm. it's not what I'm saying. Clearly not. What not. I'm saying. Clearly not. Absolutely. Um, what we are going to talk about though before we go for a break is Robbie Williams. He performed for the Three Lions. No, I prefer a break. Yeah. <laughs> if I have a choice, Kieran Trippier said he was a, a nice guy. Said he was down to earth. Apparently, Harry Maguire sorted it out. What kind of power does he wield? Well, apparently, he chatted to him in Manchester. He was like, oh, "Do you fancy performing for us?" And he was like, "Well, yeah. I've, I'm already going to the golf course to perform for Keezy and Gray, so why not?" Yeah. Eh? Uh, Pete's got this thing, hasn't he? That um, chuck him five uh, grand and he'll play you any indie yeah, song you want. I, I think, yeah, I think it might be a bit more of five. Well, grand he was Williams. performing. He was singing "Don't Look Back in Anger" in Doha last night or the night before. I mean, 
Maybe Roy Williams, Roy Williams, in many ways, has been a cultural touchstone for millions of people in this country, and I'm not trying to denigrate his achievements because clearly he's made the very best of the talent he's got, and good on him, right? Biggest gigs in the UK's history. Right. He, he's, he claims. he's basically the country's most famous karaoke singer now. <laughs> and good on him. I love karaoke, so good on him. Yeah. But I'm just saying, yeah. I'm not sure this is a consequence really in the show that we're talking about here today, Marcus. And I think you know that as well. And I think it's time for a break then. <laughs> Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Welcome back to the Football Ramble, everybody. Right, Luke and I are, of course, bringing you all the latest news from the England camp ahead of tomorrow's World Cup quarterfinal against France. But if you want some more insight into how the French might shape up against old England, I recommend you listen to Tuesday's edition of On the Continent. Andy Brassel was joined by David Cartledge and Lars Sievertson for a fantastic and fascinating discussion on how Le Bleu might shape up against Gareth's gang and some of their strengths and weaknesses. So get that episode below this one in your favourite podcast app. Right then, big Lukey Moore, let's turn our eyes to our listeners because we asked them... How they see England versus France going? We've had we've had tweets, we've had emails, we've had telegrams, we've had carrier carrier pigeons turning up uh, with all sorts of messages. And we'll start with this one from Anthony, who says Harry Kane is going to immediately smash a long ranger first touch from the kickoff. It'll be a massive dig at Lloris, and it might even go in. <laughs> yeah, it would be that would be a really disrespectful thing to do to to the goalkeeper that he's played with at club level for the last ten years or whatever it is. <laughs> Why not? Yeah, yeah. Uh, from I think Marissa. that might embolden France, though. Before, before, before Marissa, Marcus, I was going to yeah. say, I think it might embolden France because, as we all know, I've played Saturday and Sunday football. If the other team tries to s- score from kickoff, you've it's basically right. got the game won. Yeah. Oh, right. Is it like that then, lads? Yeah. 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 Uh, from Marissa, who says, Harry Maguire to score a hat-trick of headers and Jordan Pickford to save a Keelan Mbappe penalty to preserve his clean sheet. I mean, that would be nice. I think we'll just I think think like, take that. Based on that message, Marissa's mental health is so good <laughs> that I'd love to know what her daily routine is. 
because that's coming in sincerely. Good mm. for you. What a positive outlook on life. I wish I could have a bit of a dose of that. Yeah. Um, although, although I should say that um, the, on the penalty thing, Ooh. a very, very large percentage of penalties have been missed at this World Cup. Forty-two um, percent, according to uh, according to what I've got here. So, you know, if, if there is a penalty based on this, you know, this kind of case study or data set of the World Cup alone, right. you're only really just over one in two chance of scoring it. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. Well, not. Um, we've got a couple of mentioned uh, penalties, as as, as as we say there. We've also got uh, this one from Chris to say Mbappe to miss an absolute sitter and to get a red card, but France still win. Got one from Max saying Mbappe to pull a hammy in the warm up. <laughs> well, that's that's that would be. We never like to see. A, we never like to see a, a player injured. No. Um, but I mean, maybe I'd make an an, an exception for that one specific incident so yeah we've got a lot of people you know giving um some realistic some unrealistic uh, uh predictions i mean jeremy says england 4-3 it's going to be a knife fight which i quite like i've heard a couple of other people in the build-up saying they think it might be a bit of a boxing match it might be a bit of trading blows you hit me i'll hit you and we'll see what mm. goes on yeah um now I can see why people think that because of the personnel that are going to be on display and because perhaps a perceived um, defensive frailties, particularly from uh, France at fullback or whatever. Um, but sometimes those kind of games don't manifest themselves. It feels to me like more often than not, they don't. And it mm. goes the way that other people, the people don't expect. It becomes really cagey. It becomes really dumb. People get really disappointed. How do you actually think it's going to go? Yeah, well, again, if you look at the two managers, when it comes to the crunch, managers tend to revert to type and they're both yeah. more on the conservative side. But Deschamps' hand has maybe been slightly forced that they can't be too conservative at this World Cup because if they are, I mean, if you remember, he played Blaise Matuidi, I think, on the right side of the, the three last time around, which was a very defensive move. But he thought, if we shut up shop, our quality will shine through and we'll win it. And he was right. You can, in the World Cup before, you mean? It yeah. did, 2018. I mean, you can yeah. be very critical and say, oh, that was boring and so on. Yeah, fine, but they won the World Cup. I'd love to win the World Cup in a very boring manner, quite mm. frankly. You know, mm. um, But, you know, England reverting to type would be a back three. So it would change the dynamic. It would change the shape, of course. But I think I don't think Southgate's going to do that. And I think Deschamps is going to line up as, as we expect. So it will be very, very interesting to see how it goes. The players will probably feel out the game and so on. But with a player like Kylian Mbappe, I don't think he's one to feel out the game because he knows what he can do. He yeah. is not really worried about what the opposition are going to do. So he's not he really going to follow some tactical guidance to like tuck in and really do this and well, do that. You know, but, yeah. but, but is, the, is he going to be offered much tactical guidance? I mean, perhaps in the modern day, yes. It not, not like it was, you know, George Best in the sort of late 60s or whatever. I'll just give the ball to George and off you go, son. You know, the game is yeah. a bit different now. But with Mbappe, I think you would be mad to kind of shackle him a bit. You would say, right, everybody, when you can, get the ball to Killing and Killing do your stuff. Um, there's a little bit more to it than that, of course. But yeah, so it could be a back and forth. I, I just... I'd be surprised if it if it was, but you know we saw it. France did have a bit of a back and forth against Argentina four years ago at the World Cup, and France won four three. Although Aguero scored late on, and it felt like France really gave it to them. So I think if the game does open up, that will suit Mbappe and it will suit Dembele. But you'd argue it would suit Foden and Kane and 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 whoever might play on that right side. Yeah, and it's about it's about yeah it's about making the pitch big. For, for, for players like Foden to operate in. And, and also, if you, if you go back to the whole thing we started talking about at the start of this with Theo Hernandez, you know, he's not a great defensive player. He's not a player who's, in, I think, in great form either. And then what happens with wide defenders 
when they get involved in that kind of thing and they're playing against good players, they start to kind of look for safety, right? And and for me, as in all my years of watching football, what tends to happen, and then you could also probably argue this with Jules Kunde as well on, on the in the right back position, who has also really a lot of the time applied this trade as a centre back. Mm-hmm. They start to tuck in. There's safety in the centre of the pitch. You don't want to be exposed one on one out there, so you start to tuck in and move a little bit more narrow, and mm-hmm. that gives potentially England a lot of space. What it comes down to, I guess, to answer my own question is whether England are brave enough to exploit that space. Mm-hmm. Because a lot of the time, it doesn't really matter if a team's there for the taking. If you're going to be one of these wide forwards who just takes the easy option, plays it inside all the time, you have to be able to be brave enough to go and do it and execute as you, as, as you, to give yourself the better chance of winning the game. And if neither team does that, for the, some of the reasons you've stated, it could be a, just a bore fest. But I don't think it will be. And I think a lot of the time as well, it comes down to how early the first goal happens in the game, mm-hmm. in any game, in mm-hmm. knockout football. Because obviously, if you're a goal down, you may think, okay, let's not go two goals down within the next half an hour. <laughs> but sooner or later, you're going to have to do something. And we saw that happen a lot in the final group games in this tournament, where teams just thought they knew what they had to do and they had to go and do mm-hmm. it. This is what will happen here. So... If it, if it becomes people trying to jealously guard what they've got and not want to lose it for 90 minutes, then it could be boring. Mm. If there's a goal either way early, strap yourselves in. Yeah, I think I think the reason why we think it could be boring is because sometimes these matches are, but to look at it in, in a more nuanced way and, and to work with what we've got with managers and players in question. Again, France under Deschamps, they would just shut up shop four years ago. That's how they did it. And Southgate used a lot of that template for the Euros and, and it nearly gave England the trophy. But I don't think Deschamps has got that option at the moment. And I think he knows that. And then with Southgate, the way England can come across very boring in matches is um, when they try and keep the ball like they did against the US and they try and sort of trudge through it, they're not going to be able to do that against France. France are, you know the centre backs are not going to be able to pass it to each other because they'll probably be closed down a bit or whatever. So I think that uh, we we won't see that. It will just can they take the chances and 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 will we get many? I think it will be. It could be quite end to end. Although I think France are probably better in possession than England, but that may well suit England if they try and hit them on the break. But let's finish uh, this with Gary, who says game goes to pens. Saka and Rashford redemption. We'd all love to. What other way could you uh, could you realistically end this show? We'd all love to see it. This is an English-based show. We're talking about the England team. No apology for ending on that. I think it's a fitting, fitting finale to today's episode. But please get it done in 90 minutes, lads, for crying. Yeah, I'd rather it didn't happen. <laughs> Well, there we are, everybody. Uh, Thank you very much for listening to the Football Ramble part of the ACAST Creator Network. Uh, Of course, tomorrow, uh, the On The Continent gang will be back to give you a European perspective of those quarterfinals. So get that tomorrow in your favourite podcast app. And remember to subscribe so you never miss an episode. There we are. Thank you very much, Luke Moore. Thank you very much. Thank you, everybody. Have a wonderful weekend. And let's hope the boys do it on Saturday night. Come on, England. You tell us something your mum doesn't know. Yeah. The Football Ramble is a stack production and part of the Acast Creator Network.